place it comfortably. Something wonderful about doing session in the rain, isn't there? Sister Rain. The title of this talk is Dropping Your Bundle. And um, first of all, many years ago, um, I had an uncle who um, developed um, quite a serious depressive illness and he was um, hospitalised, I think for many months, even years, in a psychiatric hospital. He was my mother's brother. And I remember um, my mother saying to me, oh, Un Uncle Cliff has dropped his bundle. Uh -huh. It was a term that was used, you know, a generation ago um, uh, to describe something like a mental illness or something like that, or a nervous breakdown. And I remember at the time, I was a young psychologist at the time, and I, I found my mother's words rather unpleasant. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't very compassionate. But um, it kind of meant in those days that um, you're not manning up to your responsibilities, you're a, you're a bit of a quitter and you're not, you're not a team player. You know, we've all got to carry our burden and you've dropped your bundle. And um, but it was the way that people had then of that they were awkward around, it still are, but not as much awkward around mental illness and not understanding it, you know, and and those kind of comments just came out of a kind of awkwardness of not knowing how to care. Um, but I want to use those words in a somewhat different way, in our Zen context. And um, to put it into context, there is a story, a Zen story of a, a monk who had practiced for a long time and he still felt like he, he hadn't experienced any of the, any of the uh, fruits of meditation. And so he went to his teacher and said, I, you know, I think that I need a change of practice and to go to a mountain hermitage and live a life of solitude for a while and see, see what happens. So the teacher said, yeah, off you go. So he went up the mountain, and as he went up the mountain, he met an old man with a, a bundle that he was carrying, you know, on his back. And, um, and he said to the old man coming down, do you know where there's any, any good hermitages or, or caves up there where you can meditate? And the old man told him. Then he looked at the old man more closely and he thought, hmm, there's something interesting about this old man. And uh, the old man actually happened to be um, Manjushri, the Bodhisattva, who visits people, you know, as they're about to become awakened. And so the monk said to the old man, um, do you know anything about enlightenment or, or awakening? And the old man immediately dropped his bundle. <laughs> that was his response. And the monk woke up, according to the story. You know? The monk dropped his bundle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, um, and then, as the story goes on, the old man picks up his bundle and just goes along. So, goes back to conventional life again, 
you know, awakening occurs, inside occurs, and it's no big deal. We just pick up the bundle and we go about our everyday business. Mm -hmm. Cleaning our tea, eating breakfast, mm -hmm. doing the gardening, going to work, driving the car. Mm -hmm. All of that conventional life just continues as it did before, but we've dropped something. Something has dropped away. And you know, in um, the Heart Sutra, where it says um, uh, that all five skandhas are emptied, skandhas actually translates as bundles. So it's kind of like the five skandhas are five bundles, are kind of like bundles or heaps of energy um, or forms. Um, they're translated in different ways, but consciousness, thinking, feeling, perception, sensation. Mm -hmm. And so when we see into the emptiness of all five skandhas, well, we've dropped all those bundles. Uh -huh. Alan Watts used to say that the ego um, that tightens around and forms an identity out of these bundles, that, that, that the ego is just a psychophysical tension. Mm -hmm. It's a good way of describing it. You know, it, it helps us to see that it's something that actually, it's not a thing. It's just a kind of reaction, you know, and that's all it is, it's just a psychophysical tension. It gives us some sense of separateness or whatever, holding things together. And um, that it's actually just um, a ring of defence around nothing. That's all. But we tighten around. And you know, with, with so-called nervous breakdowns, nervous breakdowns was a polite way of years ago of saying to someone that they've had a, um, a depressive um, uh, illness or a psychotic illness or something like that. It's kind of like what you would appear would seem to happen is that um, the mind won't let go. The mind holds on and holds on and holds on. It won't drop its bundle. And then it stresses out the nervous system. And then the, it's like the body says to the mind, well, if you're not going to stop, I am. Right? I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to drop. Because you're stressing me out because you won't drop the bundle. Mm -hmm. You won't drop that, that sort of tightness and all of that stress that's, that's tightening around whatever's happening in your life. Mm -hmm. So, that's what Dharma practice is. Sometimes something drops away a little bit, sometimes it drops away dramatically. But the whole process is about something um, dropping away. Our culture that we live in, the culture that kind of the ocean that we swim in, and our education system and everything, is very, very good, probably very good, um, at helping us to rise. You know, giving us the skills to um, life skills, you know, and educational skills and occupational skills and financial skills. We're probably very good at doing all of that. Mm -hmm. What our culture doesn't provide us with so well is the other side of it. We're, we're very good at the rising. We're very good at the success. Mm -hmm. we, we applaud success and so on. What it doesn't really give us is what happens when things fall. 
and when things rise, they will eventually fall. Um, I could think of many people, for instance, that I've seen um, in um, counselling over the years who um, have been very, very successful people in what they've done and very wealthy um, and have somewhat, like all of us to some degree, but maybe even more so sort of narcissistic personality structures and narcissistic lifestyles and they're cruising along and everything's fine, they're wealthy and got status. And then suddenly, out of the blue, a tragedy happens to them. Sometimes, very, like, very serious tragedies happen. And they, they're real equipped to deal with it. They haven't got the skill set to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with loss. And then they become um, very angry and very difficult to be with you know, around their families and so on. It's like we've got the skill set to succeed and we may do it very well. But um, there's this other side of it. Nothing lasts forever. Everything is tending towards a fall coming at some point in time. And so the fall that none of us can escape is that we're all growing older and we will eventually die. And um, Heidegger, the German um, philosopher, existentialist, said um, that every, new, every newborn baby is tending towards death. A rather gloomy thing for a philosopher to say about newborn babies, you know, fresh little beings coming out. But it's true. Every baby is tending towards death, as are we. Buddha said about ageing and death. Did you ever see in the world a man, a woman, 80, 90, 100, frail, crooked as a gable roof, bent down, resting on crutches, with tottering steps, infirm, um, youth having fled, with broken teeth, grey and scanty hair, or none, wrinkled with blotched limbs, and did the thought never occur to you, to you, that you too are subject to decay, that you too also cannot escape it? Mm -hmm. Sobering words. Eh? Everything falls apart. Everything um, rises, falls, rises, Falls. Mm -hmm. Are we prepared for the whole of life or only half of it? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Do you know, one of the things I've, I've fantasised about different therapies for different people, and in our kind of narcissistic age, it's kind of they, they do it through research, it's indicating that the younger generations coming through are becoming even more narcissistic. There's a really, really dark side to this. And the other side of it is, is that the um, level of um, self-harm, like amongst teenagers and young people, is very, very high too. And if you put the two together, there's this kind of 
expectation towards perfection or whatever, even bodily perfection. And, and when the body lets us down and we're not perfectly beautiful or whatever, then we want to attack ourselves. That's, that's the dark side of it. That's the dark side of narcissism. And do you know, um, it'd probably be too much too soon. I'm only fantasising about this. But a good therapy would be to expose those young people to the fact that they're going to die sometime, they're going to age, that they're going to die, that this is actually built in right from the beginning of our educational system to recognise people to this fact. Shakespeare mm -hmm. also said something in his very eloquent way, which is similar to this, about the seven stages of man, which is from his play As You Like It. Um, the seven stages of man. I won't go through all of it, but the beginning and the end. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven stages. At first, the infant mewing, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms and then the whining schoolboy with his satchel and shiny morning face, creeping like a snail unwillingly to school. But then we'll skip all the others. Because <laughs> I didn't write them down. <laughs> I know it's really good, isn't it? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> but anyway, last of all, that ends this strange eventful history, is Second childishness and mere oblivion. Sans teeth, sans eyes, sans taste, sans everything. <laughs> um, they come from the words of the character Jacques in the play, and it's and it's um, a kind of a somewhat slightly cynical view of life. Mm -hmm. But do we really fall into oblivion? Okay, we fall into death, maybe, and we no longer exist. But when we drop the bundle, do we really fall into oblivion? Mm -hmm. What do we think we're going to fall into? That's what our fear is, that we're just going to fall into this kind of morose nothingness or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not what happens. See, mm -hmm. our... Our experience of session and the way that we can um, practice in everyday life is, is that we become, uh, we become open to things falling apart. Mm -hmm. We become open to change and we become open to vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, most people go around through their life um, wanting to be right and powerful mm -hmm. um, or having its opposite reaction that they're not right and powerful and trying to get there. It's kind of holding on to a position. Mm -hmm. And what happens through the magic of Zazen and Session and Ascend Life is that when 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 the space is open into vulnerability, 
we enter. We enter. We don't go, oh, I don't want to go there. We enter. And that's what makes all the difference. We approach that place of vulnerability that we're not going to be right forever. We're not going to live forever. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be young and beautiful forever. We enter into that vulnerability. And when we enter into that vulnerability willingly and voluntarily, that is the shift that occurs. And we don't fall into oblivion in that sense. We, we fall into spaciousness. Mm -hmm. And we fall into peace. Mm -hmm. And we fall into connectedness. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. But the fear is um, that we'll just drop into some abyss, you know, well, some abyss of hell or mundaneness or whatever. That's not what occurs. Mm -hmm. When we realise it for ourselves, um, there is actually um, a joy in, in letting go. And there can be a, a joy and a, and a deepening of fulfilment the older that we get. I suppose to use those words if we grow old gracefully. Mm -hmm. To grow old gracefully is to let go, is to sort of welcome the the creaking knees when you do zazen compared to 10 years ago and the wrinkles. Mm -hmm. Welcome them all. Mm -hmm. um, when that psychophysical tension drops away and the, so therefore the, that, that sort of egocentricity, that need for um, self-interest to be so predominant all the time drops away. We just see that we're part of something larger. Everything rises, everything falls. Then what falls rises again, and then it falls, and then it rises again, and then it falls. It just goes on forever. Mm -hmm. Like the rain coming and going. That's all. And when that psychophysical tension drops away, that's where, where the capacity to uh, love becomes more free too. That's that, that ability just to receive and to give. Mm -hmm. like, the, like the wind blowing through the trees, you know, effortless. That emerges more. Mm -hmm. So, like the monk in the original story, do you know, um, Monjusri teaching him to drop his bundle leads to something rather surprising and liberating. There's nothing so um, powerless, in fact, is someone struggling against the inevitable. Um, when we do like that, we're like a, a prisoner in a, in a cage behind the iron bars and we're, we're rattling the iron bars thinking that we're going to get out. But all we do is just expend all of our energy. Mm -hmm. um, but when we are really, really 
open to the fact that we're growing older and things are falling apart and as the Buddha said decaying you know, and, and merging towards death when we open to that um, then we stop rattling the cages mm -hmm. the Buddha close to the end of his um, life said that my body is like an old wooden cart held together by leather straps mm -hmm. just sort of getting on mm -hmm. um, you can see in that statement just a not, a not a resignation not like a resentful resignation to to the fact that he's aging you know and, and about to die just a just a loving acceptance of the way things are So, in ending, in this briefer talk, dear friends, drop your bundle. <laughs>